I'm just going to do a little shout out too. They did a New Year's Eve party yesterday. How many, 26 kids were here and parents? And I think we had like 60 people here all told yesterday. The place was hopping with a New Year's Eve party. So we are just so blessed to have Andy and Amanda leading our next-gen ministries. Thank you. So I'm going to begin today with a passage from the Old Testament from the prophet Isaiah. This comes from Isaiah chapter 40, and I'll be reading verses 9 through 11. Go up on a high mountain, messenger Zion. Raise your voice and shout, messenger Jerusalem. Raise it. Don't be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Here is the Lord God coming with strength, with a triumphant arm, bringing his reward with him and his payment before him. Like a shepherd, God will tend the flock. He will gather lambs in his arms and lift them onto his lap. He will gently guide the nursing ewes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, does it feel like Christmas is over? Well, some, some yes, some no. All right, it's been a week, right? It's, it's New Year's. We said all our happy New Year's today. It's actually New Year's Day today, the beginning of 2023. Last night's New Year's Eve parties, I'm assuming some of you anyway, are, are over it's time for New Year's resolutions, right? To think about the new year, to look ahead to a, well, I was going to say to watch out for the warmest day to take down your Christmas decorations, but I don't maybe that's today. I don't know. It's pretty warm for this time of year if you haven't already done that. And we always think about it this time of year, moving forward, diving into to planning and new goals and, and plans for the new year, right? That, that's what this is all about. But guess what? Guess what? According to the church calendar, the actual church calendar, it's still Christmas today. It is still Christmas. You might think Christmas is over, but in fact, today is the eighth day of the 12-day festival, the 12-day season of Christmas, which doesn't really end until January 5th, the day before the day of Epiphany, the season of Epiphany that begins on January 6th. And just like the, the season of Christmas begins on Christmas Day, on December 25th, the season of Epiphany will begin this Friday. It begins on the day of Epiphany, and that, of course, is the day. It's why we sang We Three Kings. It's the day we celebrate the arrival of the Magi, the arrival of the wise men in Bethlehem to see Jesus. So even though our culture, our culture has kind of evolved to the point where Christmas is almost entirely celebrated during what is really the season of Advent. As soon as Christmas really starts, on the first day of Christmas, on Christmas Day, we kind of act like it's all over when we're supposed to be enjoying the second day of a 12-day festival. But according to the traditional church season, these four weeks of Advent leading up to Christmas Day, they're not really supposed to to be about celebrating Christmas yet. They're supposed to be about preparing ourselves, preparing for Christmas Day, and then it's during the 12 days of Christmas that we're really supposed to get down to the business of actually celebrating what just happened, celebrating the birth of Jesus, God coming to us in human flesh. And so really throughout this 12-day celebration of Christmas, the focus the focus is supposed to be on doing exactly what our opening song today, the, the last carol in our sermon series on carols, tells us to do. 
throughout this time, we're supposed to be proclaiming the good news, as the carol says, that Jesus Christ is born. During Christmas, we're supposed to go tell it on the mountain, over the hills, and everywhere. Well, I hope you noticed that as I read the the scripture reading from, from Isaiah this morning, that the imagery of this carol, it really comes directly from those words. It comes directly from the words of the prophet Isaiah in that passage. Because Isaiah wrote, go up on a high mountain, messenger Zion, raise your voice and shout, messenger Jerusalem, raise it, don't be afraid, say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Did you hear it in there? Did you hear it? Go, tell it on a high mountain. Go, raise your voice from a high mountain and shout to the world, here is your God. Well, now, originally, in Isaiah's day, these words were proclaiming that once again, God had acted as a deliverer for Israel, bringing Jewish exiles back home to Jerusalem from Babylonian captivity. But it didn't take very long at all for the earliest Christians to read those words as a messianic prophecy, to see their fulfillment in the birth of Jesus. Now, go tell it on the mountain is an old African-American spiritual, so its real roots are kind of lost to history. We don't really know exactly how it originated, but it's clear that the original authors, they took Isaiah's words as a command directed to them, directed to all of us, really, to tell us that we need to let the world know, to let the world know that right here, unimaginably, right here, laying in a manger in Bethlehem, Right here is your God wearing human flesh. And so during Christmas, we're we're meant to do what the original writers and singers of that carol wanted us to do. We're meant to go tell the world in the language of Isaiah, here is the Lord God. God has come in strength with a triumphant arm. That's Isaiah's words, but in the language of the New Testament, right, what we proclaim is that in Jesus, God has come in strength to defeat the powers of sin and death. We're meant to go tell the world, as Isaiah said, here is the Lord God bringing his reward with him, which in New Testament language is God bringing the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. We're meant to go tell the world, here is the Lord God with his payment before him, which we understand to mean the cross, the payment for our release from bondage to sin and death ever before him. In the season of Christmas, we're meant to go tell the world, here is the Lord God, like a shepherd, and he will gather lambs in his arms and lift them onto his lap. Because through the gift of the Holy Spirit, God is ever-present with us, guiding us, comforting us, and nurturing us like a shepherd. So those are the things, those are the things in this Christmas season, right, that we're supposed to, that Isaiah tells us we're supposed to be raising our voices on the mountains to proclaim. I don't know, did you notice that there's one more thing in Isaiah's words that Isaiah tells us to do. Rather, actually, it's something that Isaiah tells us not to do. Did you notice that? 
right after Isaiah tells us to raise our voice and shout, he tells us, raise it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to proclaim this message on the mountaintop, over the hills, and everywhere. Why does Isaiah give us that warning in the midst of all that? Why? Why would we be afraid to proclaim to the entire world, here is your God? But right there it is in Isaiah's words. He says, raise your voice, go proclaim it on the mountain that God is here, that Jesus Christ is born. And don't be afraid. Well, I think if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us would probably have to admit that sometimes we really are, aren't we? We're afraid to proclaim that news. We're afraid of that scary E word, evangelism, right? But evangelism is just, it's just this fancy theological word for doing what today's carol says we should do, for doing what we seem to be happy to sing about doing, right? About going over the hills and everywhere to proclaim that Jesus Christ is born, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. But why does Isaiah tell us not to be afraid to do that? Well, maybe, maybe it's because as a prophet, Isaiah foresaw that the reality of God coming to us in Jesus, of God actually being here, maybe he was telling us not only that, but that we might find ourselves fearful of sharing that message with the world. And folks, this is, this is kind of part of the Christmas story that we like to avoid. Okay? This, is, this is part of the Christmas story that we'd sometimes rather not be reminded about. But if we look closely at the stories of what really happened in the immediate aftermath of Jesus' birth, what we find is that perhaps, perhaps we actually do have reason to be afraid. Sometimes we overlook the fact that fear, real fear, actually plays a central role in the stories of the human lives that were closest to this amazing occurrence of God coming to us in the flesh back when it really happened. Listen to what Matthew writes in chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 of his gospel. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. See, already, upon first hearing about this birth, Matthew tells us that King Herod and all Jerusalem were disturbed by the news of it. From the very beginning, from the very beginning, the event of God coming into the world in human flesh, it created a disturbance, a disturbance that upset the equilibrium of how it's always been. 
a disturbance that caused dissension among the people. And as we'll see in a moment, eventually, even the rejection of the child himself. With this brief statement, Matthew makes that King Herod was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Matthew's giving us, from the beginning, a foreshadowing of the descent and the rejection that would grow throughout his account of Jesus' life and that would ultimately lead to the cross. See, folks, the news of Jesus' birth, the news of God's coming to earth in the flesh is a threat. It's a threat, and that makes his coming dangerous for anyone who might proclaim the news about it. So after those magi came and visited the baby Jesus and they worshiped him and they brought him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, right? That, that part of the story that we love to tell and, and that we like to focus on. Matthew tells us that having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Why were they warned? What's going on? Well, they were warned because it actually was, it really was dangerous for them to go back to Herod and tell him the good news about Jesus' birth. But it wasn't even just the Magi, right? It wasn't just the Magi who were in danger from the birth of Jesus. The danger was even greater for Joseph, for Mary, and especially for Jesus himself. Matthew goes on in the very next verse to tell us, when they had gone, when the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. This was not an idle threat. The danger they faced was very real. They were truly afraid. And verse 16 goes on to tell us that when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. You know, in the danger God's coming posed, it didn't even, didn't even end. When Herod died, even then, even then, Joseph got yet another warning so he could protect his family from very real danger. Matthew says, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel, but... When he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And having been warned, again, warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. See, folks, all, all, of, these, all of these early stories from the period of time immediately following the birth of Jesus, they show us something. They show us that the proclamation that God has come 
The proclamation that here is the Lord God coming in strength, that proclamation is a radical, earth-shattering pronouncement that is only good news to those who recognize their need for a Savior, to those who are seeking the truth, the goodness, the peace, the justice, and the love that God's coming would bring for those who are aching for release from whoever or whatever is oppressing them. But for those who are the oppressors, for those who seek to hold on to power and control and glory and self-promotion, for those who refuse to submit to anyone, the coming of the God of the universe himself is a threat that must be stopped at all costs. And for these people, even the proclamation that God has come is a message that must be suppressed at all costs. Folks, this is the fundamental reason why Christianity has been expressly forbidden in totalitarian regimes throughout the past 2,000 years of history. Do you know what? As, as followers of Jesus, this reality really shouldn't surprise us. It really shouldn't. Because it's a truth that bears itself out in the story of the life of Jesus. It's the story the church reenacts annually, every year, with this cycle of church seasons. And so, yeah, throughout this season of epiphany, which means epiphany, an appearance of God, God is here. It's what that name even means. But throughout this season, we, the church, we're supposed to go about the business of proclaiming the appearance of God in Jesus Christ. But we make that proclamation remembering that throughout his life, from the beginning with Herod the Great and then with his son Archelaus, but continuing for 33 years, right into the time of the reign of Archelaus' brother, Herod Antipas. The opposition to Jesus and his message mounted. It grew until finally we reached the season of Lent, another season of preparation, but this time not for the birth of Jesus, but for the culmination of all the dissent and division and rejection of Jesus that culminated with his death on the cross on Good Friday, on the cross where it looked, where it looked like the forces opposed to God's coming had finally won. So evangelism, friends, evangelism, actually doing what this carol tells us to do, actually going and telling it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, that Jesus Christ is born, that God has come to us, that here is your God, Folks, that's not the easiest thing in the world to do. It's not. It's not easy because much of the world does not want to hear that God has come in Jesus because that implies that we are not the center of the universe. It implies that we have no right to, no claim on ultimate power, control, or even to define what is right and what is wrong. The coming of God implies 
that there is a greater authority than any human individual on the planet could ever hope to possess. One before whom we're expected to fall on our knees in submissive obedience. And folks, that is not an easy message to deliver to anyone, let alone to the King Herods of the world. And yet, and yet, right, as followers of Jesus Christ, we, every one of us, we are called to evangelism. We are called to proclaim this message in spite of the rejection and even the danger that is inherent in the message that God is here, that Jesus Christ is Lord. We are called to go tell it on the mountain. So we need to read on maybe. Maybe we need to read on the book of Isaiah. We need to read on and see what else Isaiah might have to say about not being afraid to proclaim this radical message. Here is your God. And so what we read a chapter later in Isaiah chapter 41, 10 through 14, are these words. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. You know, sometimes it, it might be hard to do this evangelism thing. Sometimes going to tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born, it won't be easy. Telling people about Jesus can be intimidating, can even be scary because of how we fear the people we're talking to will respond to us. And all of us just want to be liked. We want to be loved by everybody all around us. And the reality is that there will be people who don't want to hear it, who reject it, and even who actively want to suppress the sharing of this good news. But folks, Jesus Christ is born. God is here. God does want to gather all his lambs, all of them, into his arms to guide them, comfort them, and bring them peace. And part of our calling as Christians is that we are supposed to go tell that on the mountain, over the hills, and everywhere. And as scary as the thought of that might be, God tells us not to fear because he will help us. And so this year, as we make plans and set goals, I pray for all of us to resolve, to work just a little harder, to share the good news that God is here because Jesus Christ is born. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.